0: Hello, thanks for joining us for episode number 75 of Future Chat from Unwind Media. I'm joined today by my illustrious co-host with a spider in his face, Mike Cottrell. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing spooky. <laughs> I'm also, also joined Spookily. by Nick Maddox, our senior contributor. How you doing, Nick? I'm having a blast like always. You, you sound like it. You just sound so excited to be here. I've got I've got coffee on deck. I've got
1: Soylent on deck. I've got some water for when both of those run out. It's rocket fuel. That's what that is. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we got quite a bit to talk about today. So why don't we just jump right to some exciting follow-up from last week when we officially defined the kilogram. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell us about the new official definition we got this week?
2: We had a huge advancement in sandwich science. As you all know, we've been striving, we've been striving for decades to officially define sandwich sizes, but we never had a definitive standard. But thankfully, finally, Subway has decided to standardize their foot long to 12 inches.
0: At least 12 inches. not,
2: Not almost 12, not just under 12, not 12 plus some wiggle room. They are standardizing it to 12 inches. So this this is nothing but a huge advancement in science and food. And I, I can't be excited enough. Hmm. But Rob, what's your take on this?
0: Well, you know, I really like how they've taken to... Th- there were a lot of people complaining that they didn't have an official definition for what a foot was at Subway. They just kind of approximated 12 inches for their sandwich length. And uh, it really sounds like they're going to have materials. They're going to have training. On how to get people to actually be able to measure a proper twelve-inch sandwich, nobody is going to be getting ripped off on the amount of bread or amount of ingredients in the bread. I just think this is a really uh, good step in the right direction.
2: Yeah, Nick, how, how about you? You you introduced us to a new standard last week. Th- this is just like one thing after another. What's your take on this?
1: My take is that one, this may in fact be our this isn't actually news segment of the week. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, like I like I said in the pre-show, I I didn't realize that this was a morning show full of you know fluff and bullshit. Um, but yeah, there is actually a a solid rationale behind this decision, mm-hmm. based on a court case in which um there was someone who had bought a foot long for every week for the past X number of years. And so he finally measured one of his sandwiches and said, Hey, I've been systematically ripped off here. This is ridiculous. Like this shouldn't happen. And so it was the fact that subway called it a foot long. That was really the key behind the legal case. Because I mean, even, at McDonald's, where they have their quarter pounder, they have a little asterisk saying uh, "weight is approximate." It's a quarter pound of beef before we cook it, mm-hmm. and so Subway had no such uh, no such disclaimer. They continued to call it a foot long, and it's reasonable to assume that when you sell something called a foot long, customers will expect something that is twelve inches long. Yeah, which is based on, you know, the the measure of 12 inches, which is exactly 2.54 centimeters, which is based on meter or the meter and thus the second mic.
2: <laughs> so should the foot long be an SI unit? Is that what you're implying here?
1: No, 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 no. The meter is an SI unit. <laughs> the foot long is derivative. <laughs> just like I uh, just like this entire podcast. Apparently it's derivative and boorish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay so based also on what you're saying you're on you're on the side of the class action or the class i guess yes i am you you are of the idea that that is was false
1: advertising year. i'm just okay. sad i didn't get in on the class action lawsuit because i've bought a lot well, of footlongs
0: We should note that they didn't win any lawsuit. Subway just said they're going to start measuring their bread properly. This is
1: a win for consumers. It was a settlement everywhere. Well,
0: that's not even a settlement. That's just like okay, it's like a concession.
2: I think it's actually they're actually considering it a settlement. It's a settlement agreement.
1: So, so you guys aren't excited that a foot long is finally one foot long?
2: Oh, I am. Don't get so you brought this up
1: tongue in cheek, and now you're like, yeah, it still doesn't matter. Whatever. Again, I've told you.
2: This I is that, are we talking uh, about? Used, are we talking
1: about smartphones yet? Does any of this even matter? <laughs>
2: Maybe I've, I've there's a smartwatch we could talk about. When, Maybe when there's a slightly
1: faster, slightly shinier smartphone or smartwatch that we could be talking about right now and we're just wasting our time.
2: I've used I've used a six inch sandwich as my mental comparison when thinking about how big something is. So now I've got to redefine that mental image because it's gonna actually be six inches now.
1: Have you been yeah. underselling something that's six inches long, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> or I, I overselling, sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I plead the 12th. You know, we don't have the, we don't have the, the Fifth Amendment here.
2: No, we don't. We're an international show. It's fine.
0: Oh. We, we are talking about the American subway franchises because yeah, Canada true. doesn't have this problem. No. Is that a fact? It is a fact.
2: They're actually called thirty-one point five inches up here, or centimeters, or not foot longs. <laughs> thirty point five.
0: I think it's around thirty centimeters. I'm pretty it's, sure
2: it's just over thirty. Yeah. Someone but uh,
0: we're all very happy well, because we have you take an official thirty,
1: footlong. and or you take twenty, or wait, the words. What are words and numbers? 5, 4. Twelve times two point five four.
0: Someone should do that. I'm not going to do that. If
1: only one of us had oh, a calculator. Next? If only one of us <laughs> sitting in front I of these this large super computing computer machines. but no calculator. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I've got a solar powered calculator right in front of me. Let me just do this right in front of <laughs> uh, the mic. Can
0: you make it louder, please? No,
1: they're actually very nice buttons. That's why I bought this. It's, it no, doesn't okay. clatter too much. <laughs> 30.48 centimeters.
2: 30.5. There you go.
1: No. This is how we got in this mess 4 in the first 8. place.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh. Let me just
0: put this away. There we go. We probably could have done that math in our heads, to be honest. And yet we weren't. Eh. And
1: so we didn't. Yep.
0: So uh i'm gonna jump i uh, we mike you haven't heard back to the future day was this week i don't know if we have anything to that we need to say on the matter uh i watched the movies uh on the 21st i think it, yeah it's the 21st uh did you guys do anything to celebrate no no okay
2: <laughs> can i say so can i just come out and say that i feel that these movies are a very old and B probably not that good and people just what what people are people are fans of them because they're old and it's no hip to say that no no
1: completely wrong that's not the case at all
2: like it's kind of like star wars have you never (laughs) now you've
0: upset even
2: more
1: people (laughs) are
0: you just trying to troll people is that what you're doing I,
2: i actually do feel this way but i'm also kind of trolling
0: I agree there's a certain amount of nostal- nostalgia with both those franchises, but I think that Back to the Future is a pretty awesome movie series. And it has
1: so many little details in it that are just beautiful.
0: Kaya uh, actually watched them for the
1: first time a few months ago. I think we were in Edmonton. or No, we did it over the course of a few visits of mine to Edmonton, and we watched the Back to the Future franchise. And she loved it. I'd have to- And... It was her seeing it for the first time.
2: I'd have to watch them. You
1: do have you to watch them. You haven't watched
2: them? I've I've probably watched parts of them when they were on in a TV when I was. You've just something.
1: made this huge sweeping judgment and you haven't
0: even watched them.
2: <laughs> I disclaimed it by saying they're probably. Hashtag morning show.
0: <laughs> Mike, honestly though, watch them. We will we cannot do this show for 3 weeks so that you can use that time
2: slot to watch them if you need time
0: for it. I would
1: be more than happy. I would that would be a worthy sacrifice in my mind. Exactly. I didn't
2: realize you guys felt so strongly about this series. Such great movies. I love that in our so, in our
1: like actual spreadsheet of all this, we have Rob's reaction meh, I watched the movies. And then Mike's just like, yeah, I didn't like it. Everyone else is like, what? I
2: didn't say I didn't like it. (laughs) I said people probably like it because they're old and it's hip to say that you like it.
0: They're talking about a time exactly 30 years in the past as of the 21st. Not exactly, but like to the the year. That's the whole premise of the movies. Go watch the movies.
1: (laughs) Also, did you see that uh, they gave Michael J. Fox a pair of self-lacing shoes?
2: I did see that. Like he did.
1: And I think that, I mean, all kidding aside, I think that, that that technology might actually be useful for people with arthritis or something like Park, Parkinson's where you have difficulty yeah. using your fingers for stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, I'm actually kind of excited that that exists because I think there are people that could benefit from that technology.
0: Yeah. They they announced that they were working on a shoe with self-lacing things in, in time for 2015 for this this moment Mm. that passed and uh they kept getting pushed back and then they came out they announced them again on back to the future day and they're now they're shipping in 2016 so it's still going to be a while i also i swear to you i
1: this is my honest read of the situation i really legitimately feel like a year or two ago in anticipation of this day shoe shoe manufacturers started raising the ankle of their shoes yeah, to have them match more, more closely with what you find on Back to the Future.
0: Well, I mean, they're, they're basketball shoes. They they look like that already. They just weren't self lacing. Pardon? Go look at basketball shoes. They have more ankle support.
1: Than they go yeah, higher. I I, yeah. I wore basketball shoes for years actually because I have fallen arches and well, there you go. It's very good arch and ankle support. And I yeah. don't remember them going as high as they do now. Interesting yes
0: fair enough uh the last piece of follow-up that i have here is about in relation to the tesla autopilot feature that we talked about in weeks previous uh we i was wondering out loud whether how it would work internationally having this autopilot feature where it was approved in the states but it wasn't really approved elsewhere uh and so uh elon musk noted this week that they got international approval in every country that the tesla sells in except for japan uh, yes. And so it was kind of in a legal gray area for a few days, but now it's all good.
2: Yeah. Have you guys seen those videos? At least the one video I saw where a guy was being stupid and videoing himself. With Wait, himself a video where a guy was being stupid and
1: videotaping himself?
2: I know. It never happens. But he was in one of those Teslas with the autopilot. And the car started... I think it started beeping and saying that it was taking over and it started steering himself into the other lane where Mm -hmm. another car was coming. So he had to, like, quickly intervene and, like, pull the wheel the other way. So there's kind of a semi-PSA saying you should still keep your hands on the wheel. You have to still keep your hands on the wheel. What's that?
0: You have to keep your hands on the wheel. After a certain amount of time, it'll just pull over if you don't.
2: Right, but apparently you can put your hand on the wheel and then it resets that timer and then it keeps right. Right. So, but this guy was driving, but filming himself without his hands on the wheel. And it Mm -hmm. started veering into the other car.
0: I mean, you can do that with any car really. It's actually more safe to do it in a Tesla than it is in any other car, but it doesn't mean it is safe.
2: That's the whole point. But people think it is safe because it has autopilot.
0: Well, I mean, if people are going to not think about what they're doing, then uh he he was doing it he wasn't doing it like wow this is my magical future self-driving car he was like this is a new thing i'm gonna get go viral with this if i film myself not using my hands
2: right and um, now he went viral of him being stupid right and almost dying so
0: he he probably didn't almost die he was not he going actually very fast and, no
2: yeah he was on the highway
0: he was not on the highway the you that watched i watched a different video then because they they were talking about one video where the guy was kind of like steering towards another car apparently one of the sensors that the tesla has is used to follow another car in front of you and Mm -hmm. so they think that's what was happening in that instance but it wasn't like it's not swerving into another car to crash into it
2: no it just started going into the other lane right
0: because the autopilot features lane change like automatic lane changes sure yeah i think this is a non-story
2: I didn't add it as a story. I was no, I know, just I'm, mentioning it. I
0: just mean in general. I don't mean like... Yeah, anyways. Sure.
2: Point is, be safe. Don't be stupid when you're using autopilot.
0: Right. Once
1: again, bold stances on Unwind Media. <laughs>
0: uh, so the first story we have here is something that I just saw this morning, and I thought it was pretty interesting, even though it's not necessarily big news. Um, I was, was actually
1: going to say this is probably the most excited i am about almost any of these Mm -hmm. stories on here because i've desperately wanted this functionality for ages wait i don't think you're talking about the same same thing oh right i'm not (laughs) i'm i'm catching mike's number two important story at the top of the list
0: yep uh so first we'll talk about this uh this piece of what is being called space debris that uh scientists have found in in our orbit and it's a bit further out than you'd expect space debris to be and uh, they're not sure exactly what it is at this point because it's too far away but it is on a collision course with earth and it's very small so it's just going to burn up in our atmosphere but uh they found it they first found it about twice as twice the orbit of the moon so it's in a really weird spot they're not sure what it is but within the next month or so it will be gone and uh it's just kind of a lesson in the weirdness of how we just leave stuff in space there's like millions of pieces of space debris that are just out there and eventually each they're all just going to burn up in the next hundred thousand years but uh, i just thought it was pretty interesting to mike theorize that it was possibly an alien spacecraft i'm uh, sure it's, it's not a
1: dyson sphere
0: it would be a very inefficient dyson sphere okay, okay. <laughs> it's Just only checking. about two meters large as you know
1: pointless conjecture on this
0: show that's i'm it's integral i'm intrigued to hear mike what makes you you are raising a, a at least interesting if not compelling point about aliens in this piece of debris oh god actually well, another
1: top Rob, story about aliens
2: <laughs> robbie you had said that it Probably isn't aliens because it's only two meters. Yeah, and I said, "Who says aliens have to be large? Oh, it could be small aliens." Where scale-wise, this two-meter craft is an appropriately sized spacecraft. Yeah. So, I I'm wondering if it's just going to burn up when it comes into our our atmosphere. If it's only that large, it probably would. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, those but poor small if aliens. It is,
2: if it is alien spacecraft, they've obviously heat shielded their spacecraft. So hopefully, once they enter atmosphere, we'll be able to examine the debris.
0: Right? Have we read the Petit Prince? Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for.
2: Yeah, Nick,
0: do you like have anything you're, you're, to you're add? You're
2: skeptical of the alien stance. No, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Have have you read the Petit Prince? Is that have we I all read that? I think I've heard of a I've long of that time ago the French children's story. Children cuz i mean i'm thinking about the resources he had on that little planet of his and maybe a 2 meter craft is all all that he could generate maybe. exactly yeah
2: rob are you are you on board with the alien hypothesis well
0: if it turns out that we this as we watch this piece of debris enter the atmosphere it doesn't burn up and it just kind of heats up briefly and then flies into our atmosphere then i would certainly be willing to consider aliens <laughs>
2: But you need to see evidence well, of... Yeah, it's my understanding
0: up. a piece of debris would fall into our atmosphere much differently than would uh, a spacecraft. A spacecraft would like skim the top of the atmosphere to slow down and then enter in, whereas a piece of debris would just be more likely to fall straight in or at a, at a, much, more sharp, a much sharper angle. And so it'd be a lot more prone to burning up.
1: Mike, so we'll have to see about that. Mike, are you willing to put money on the fact that this is an alien?
2: I'm not. <laughs> That's, That's probably upsetting. a safe bet.
1: Because <laughs> I was going to take the XKCD uh, approach to betting, in which I bet on the sure thing, and then if it turns out to not be the sure thing, I'll be so excited that I won't mind paying out the money.
0: Yeah, that makes right. sense yeah (laughs) Uh, okay so the next story we have here for people who are not aware we have a little bit more tesla news this i thought was pretty interesting uh earlier in the week uh consumer report changed their outlook or their rating of tesla we talked about how when consumer reports originally came out with their uh consumer report on tesla uh it was given such a high safety rating that it basically broke their their rating system it broke their instrumentation that did safety testing because it was so safe, um, and so this week Consumer Reports downgraded the Tesla Model S to a do not recommend. Wow! And the reason for this being that the models that they tested were ended up passing or not passing the reliability part of the test, and uh, found that they were prone to to breakdowns or needing service more, uh, and so originally that was going to be the story that i had in here it was the story that i had in here was that that this downgrade uh elon musk has responded since to the the downgrade saying that uh the models that they were using in these reliability tests were early production models and so they're not representative of the overall quality of teslas and so i think he's going to do his best to ensure that they can actually get some some of the more recent models, the models they're actually making now as opposed to early test models uh, to do this. And they also noted, he also noted that uh, customer service and customer satisfaction ratings for the Tesla are incredibly high and something like 97% of people uh, that are, that were polled, expect their next car to be an electric car or a Tesla. And so he, they also found that in instances where Tesla owners did have problems with their vehicles that the service that tesla provides to repair them and to get them back into perfect working order was extremely good compared to other uh, car companies so i think this is the kind of thing that we'll see it's like it's good for consumer reports for calling them out on unreliable cars but if it if it does turn out that it's early in the production line and now they're very reliable then uh, i'm sure they'll be right able to write this and just switch it back to a recommend
2: is this the same organization that had their scale broken by the Tesla? Yeah. Okay. So, did they downgrade that rating, or just the the
0: reliability assessment? Part. There's. So
2: they did. So the score itself went down, or just their recommended versus the score itself may have
0: gone down a little bit. But what they do, they have different portions of the test, and I think the way it works is if you if you outright fail any part of the test. They switch from recommend to a do not recommend. So it's still extremely safe. It still okay. did flying colors on the test, except for this reliability part, which caused an right. overall like there's no there's no percentage thing. It's like if you fail any one of these key sections, then you it's not recommended.
2: OK, so the yeah. performance itself was still really good. Yep. It was still the same as before. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I, I told you guys that the the Tesla dealership down in Chinook is supposed to be opening up pretty soon. So. It'll be interesting to see. I think it's it's always good when, I guess, anytime you're getting service at a dealership, you're ideally getting that top-shelf service and fast service and knowledgeable service. So I think Tesla specifically, because they're kind of the only ones in the market right now as far as market uh, recognizability and that kind of thing, uh, they'll have a good chance of offering that really good service because they'll train their techs very well. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to be on the Teslas. They don't have to know how to repair any other type of car, really. Right. Maybe other electric cars once they come on the market. But for the most part, they're only going to be doing their own cars. Yeah.
0: Nick, does this impact you wanting to get a Tesla at all? No. Good. Do you have anything else to add? No. Good. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell us about the next door you have here uh, that we'll probably talk about in a bit more detail about YouTube's upcoming subscription service.
2: Yeah. YouTube's decided to give an alternative model versus ad supported. And they're coming out with YouTube red, which from Rob, what you were saying people or YouTubers in general were aware of a couple months ago.
0: Well, like somewhere between March and April, it was a long time ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah but now they've just started offering it for consumers to sign up for where you pay 10 bucks a month and it allows you to have ad free videos as well as offline saving videos for offline use and playing in the background Mm -hmm. uh, from a mobile, obviously with your browser, you can play them in the background anyway, but uh, the mobile app will let you play videos in the background. Obviously people will use that more for the music aspect than In videos, usually you're gonna watch a video. But I think this is a good a good move because these are all things that people want, the offline access as well as playing in the background. And this YouTube red is what they're calling it, also gives you access to their music service as well, Mm -hmm. the YouTube music service. And people are kind of outraged by this, I think is a fair assessment of the overall feeling. The creators. Creators and consumers, even. Uh, like every common page I looked at, it's like, because YouTube's idea is like, oh, we're giving you what you want. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, well, you're making us pay. That's not what we want. And it's like, A, you still have your ad supported access. Yep. And B, for people that actually use YouTube enough for the ads to be annoying, that they're okay to getting rid of them. And then to have the offline end background access people shouldn't have an issue paying 10 bucks a month no like pretty much every song you can find anywhere is uploaded onto youtube somewhere maybe not as high quality as you'd find on a music streaming service or itunes or that kind of thing but for most people that's enough to satisfy their their music consumption and 10 bucks a month is pretty reasonable for music streaming as well as offline video and and background if that's what you're looking for yeah and and rob maybe you can tell us a bit about how this affects the creators
0: yeah so there there's a bunch of pretty clickbaity type articles saying that youtube creators are being bullied into agreeing to these the youtube red uh service which i think is a really unfair term for what's actually happening so basically what ha- what started happening back in the spring was this service had been talked about for a number of years, and it was finally kind of seeming like it was coming into its own. And uh, so they announced, or they they put out a notice to all YouTube creators uh, that would show up when you logged into YouTube saying, please agree to these terms by whatever date. I think it was April 30th or May 30th, something like that. And uh, basically saying, uh, there's going to be a new revenue sharing type of thing where people can uh pay for youtube to youtube to be ad free and so instead of making for those customers instead of making money off of ads that are shown, which is how YouTube has worked for a number of years now, you would people who are paying for an ad free would still be under that system, but people who are paying the subscription fee of nine ninety nine a month will donate fifty five percent of the money or not donate, but give fifty five percent of the money will go to the creators whose videos were watched by that person and 45 percent will go to youtube which is i think a lot more favorable than the old setup because under the old setup it was kind of a black box where you would get a certain amount of money per uh, ad watched depending on how long they watched it for what the who the advertiser was how much the advertiser was paying it was very opaque to uh to the creators and so i think this is actually going to be a much better defined system and you'll be able to see exactly how who is watching not not who's watching your video in an identifiable way but like you'll be able to see statistically who is paying for your content and what they're watching and you'll be able to kind of tailor videos to your audience a lot better than you can now and be able to see sort of which kind of videos are paying off and which kind of what direction you'd want to go in the future and so the idea that people are being bullied into into agreeing with this is people saying that uh what's going to happen to creators who or people who upload videos who don't want to agree to the service are their videos are going to be made private they're not going to be deleted the account's not going to be removed It's basically just that you if you don't agree to to this new revenue sharing program, you have to You'll have to give people another way to watch your videos. You'll have to put them on your own site. Google won't put them on their site, visible to everyone, and which seems like a fair compromise. And so, one big name company, uh, ESPN, is doing this. They're they've not agreed to this revenue sharing program. I don't know if it's the fact that they just don't want to share the revenue, or if they're using they're in some kind of other exclusive contract that allows them to not. Uh, the, I was listening to uh, I forget what podcast it was but somebody talking about how uh the way this was going to work it, some people some youtube creators have exclusivity contracts where they're if one company is paying to have stuff shown in videos or paying to have the videos hosted somewhere uh part of the contract says that they can't have people pay for the videos to be viewed on another platform and so they're literally their hands are tied and so they're, what they're having to mm. do is either do, they're having to do that and then take these private youtube videos they're still viewable but just not on youtube and put them on their own site somewhere put links to them so that people can still go and watch the videos and so uh, calling that bullying is a bit of a strong term especially since i don't think these new terms are going to be any worse for creators it's just different and people don't like change i was mentioning like before the show people don't like when things that have to do with their livelihood change in any way whether it ends up being good or bad it's kind of just a fear of the unknown more than anything else but it's not it's not bullying i don't i don't think
2: you can call it that fairly so youtube will still host your video just yeah. privately and then you can link it and embed it elsewhere i embedding
0: is interesting but you can definitely link to it i'm not sure exactly how the embedding situation will work i know you can okay you can decide whether or not you want your videos to be embedded but i i'm not sure how it works with private videos versus unlisted ones
2: will subscribers still be able to see your videos
0: no not on youtube no
2: okay I think that's the, the only ways people watch YouTube these days, I think, based on my experience and assessment of the situation is people either subscribers will get notified or check their subscriptions to see if mm-hmm. there's a new video or people will be linked to it either through Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Yep. But people generally, I don't think, go on YouTube and just browse YouTube.
0: Not looking for new videos necessarily.
2: No, they'll... Even just videos in general. Like, I don't know, maybe just the kids these days still do that. I guess I did when I was a kid. I've done that before. hockey recently. What's that?
0: I've done that recently. Like, on the What to Watch page. Okay. Recommendations are pretty good, but yeah. Okay.
2: So, but yeah, if your subscribers aren't getting notified or able to see your videos that you upload, that's not ideal. So, yeah, I'd have to upload it or link it somewhere else. Yeah.
1: So, if you want to understand the backlash to this just a little bit more... Uh, I think there's a planet money episode by the name of the price of free or putting a price on free or something like that. Very much similar to the, I think it explains a lot of the backlash. It's when you take mm-hmm. something that was effectively free and then you put a price on it. Like, in, but you can still get it on.
2: Yeah. You can still look at the ad supported pages or videos.
1: Yes. I know that. And yet they've put a price on being able to get rid of the ads, which changes the original nature of the
0: relationship between YouTube and the consumer. I'd be interested to listen to this because that doesn't seem like a very compelling argument. Okay.
2: Well, it's not changing anything. It does for the creator. If the creator decides not to sign on to this agreement and their videos get hidden, I can understand how that would change. And rob like you were saying if they have another agreement, then they might have their hands tied, yeah, but
1: so I highly recommend shouldn't. listening to that episode, yeah, that's I'll, what uh, I have I'll to put say. a link
0: to it in the in the notes but so c g p. gray, in response to this originally way back in the spring uh set up his own i guess i don't I don't know if he set up, but he piggybacked off another service to host his videos separately uh and then made them accessible via an r s s feed and basically as a way to if if push came to shove with youtube and he had to leave he wouldn't just have there wouldn't be he'd still be able to make videos he'd still be able able to make money off them but they'd just be hosted elsewhere than youtube and so now he has both running and uh so it'll be interesting to see how that goes once the changeover happens like once once a certain number of people sign up for this and a certain number of people don't we'll be able to see how revenue is affected and but uh the whole thing it doesn't seem like a a good argument. I mean, I have to listen to this planet money episode because it just doesn't seem like that big of a change. And people have been talking about how taking something that's free and then making money off of it in whatever way, like that's the goal of business is to monetize, especially in the digital world is to take something that get people to really like something and then find a way to make money off of it. And so Facebook has been doing that. Like you can use Facebook for free, but they've been adding more and more and more advertising to it and in more intrusive and more sort of visible ways. Yeah. And I don't think that it's a good argument to say that it's now costing you money just because you're seeing ads, because that's kind of the, like even newspapers have that where newspapers need ads to be sustainable. Like it's, it's free, but you're, you're paying with something else. In this case, your attention to an advertisement.
2: I've said before how I'm I'm willing to pay for an app if I use it enough and I find it good and it's ad supported. If there's an ad free version that I pay for, like say mm-hmm. for a buck, 52 bucks, three bucks, whatever, I'll pay for it because I appreciate the content or the product and I would rather not see ads or not have ads in my face than if it wasn't there. So I, I think there are people in the same way with the YouTube that they'd, they'd be willing to pay to not see ads and to be able to play in the background and to have offline access. And that's the only reason this is around is for those people. They're not asking everyone to pay for it. There's for those who are willing to, and who would like this functionality, then you can for 10 bucks a month.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, Nick, we'll, we'll come back to this once I've listened to this episode and maybe, maybe Mike will as well, but I'll give you a little
1: teaser and say almost all uh, American World War II veterans hate the Red Cross, and the reason is donuts.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. That's a very strange teaser. You want to find out more. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: okay, so the next story that I have here, I just found this so interesting, and I think you guys will as well. Um, I don't know if you have heard of self-encrypting hard drives, but they're basically they use software to generate their own passwords and or their own, their own encryption passwords. And it seems like a really good idea in principle, but it turns out um, I think it was Western digital was the company that was doing this. Um, their self encrypting hard drives were encrypted with passwords that were incredibly easy to guess. Uh, the, so most programming languages have, a function built in that generates a random number. Uh, but unfortunately, if you use you you have to use some kind of seed number to to generate this random number. and so if you, it turns out if you know the seed number that was used, the random number generator is not really random at all, and you can kind of reverse engineer what the original number was. And so if you're using that as a self- encrypting password, you need a really good seed number or else it makes the whole process kind of irrelevant. And it turns out what they were using as a seed number, uh, in this self-encryption was the Linux date of the manufacture of the hard drive. And, (laughs) and so they, yeah, I, it's very, very strange. And the, the date that the, the, it was checked or verified or whatever they do the last step before it leaves the factory is printed on the hard drive itself (laughs) and so basically what that does is it narrows it narrows a pot like if you use just a random linux date uh it's not it's not a bad it's not the end of the world because it it's a pretty big number but if you're looking at something like even a month on either side it ends up going down to like a billion or, or a few billion different possibilities of dates. And that means that it's something that can be cracked in a trivial amount of time, like from a few seconds up to maybe a, a day or two. And it's just, it's the kind of thing where it seems like a really good idea. Oh, you got we got this random number generator. We can use it to make a, a self-encrypting password that's really strong. And then, but you have to kind of consider all the other things that go into it in In what makes a password secure, and using using the date of the manufacturer of the hard drive is not a good way to seed that random number. Uh, I
1: suppose the issue is whether or not what you have is worth stealing. Yes,
2: is the ease of cracking this or guessing the number kind of like a hindsight situation where oh yeah, that would be pretty easy to guess now that they know. Like, would anyone actually think to use that number? as the seed number i I, i'm not a hacker so i don't know how hackers think so well
0: so this is security researchers were investigating this and found that it was super easy to crack okay so it's not like western digital acknowledged the problem and said oh we're we're fixing this it's like a team of people went huh this seems really easy to crack let's try and crack it oh it is really easy to crack okay okay that's not good
2: but did, did they reverse engineer and say, hey, that's just that date? Or did they think, oh, let's try the date, and that ended up working?
0: No, I think they looked through the whatever the, the code is, that the self-encryption code, and found, oh, they're using this. This is incredibly insecure.
2: Okay. Yeah. So going back to the self-encrypting hard drive, is it you said it comes up with a password in what situation would you need to use that encrypted password to access the hard drive well
0: to decrypt the contents like so these are
2: Oh, okay okay
0: yeah it's the my passport hard drive so they kind of make it a feature that it's really easy to use and so it it protects itself basically but yeah it protects itself in pretty much the the least helpful way possible right yeah uh, but, yeah, so that that's not a huge story, but apparently, at least so far uh Western digital hasn't really responded to uh to comment or to say they're gonna solve it
1: well, I mean, if they're trying to fix the problem and they're like would you broadly advertise, oh yeah, we're not gonna use this system anymore, so you don't have to try hacking that, try hacking the next thing we're gonna come up with
0: no, I agree, but at it's, least acknowledge
1: like it's interesting though because. I mean, for an encryption key, unless you generate some pseudorandom encryption key and then, like, store that somewhere, how do you, what do you actually get as a, as a reliable pointer or a reliable reproducible string from which to encrypt your data?
0: Well, you would use a password that you generate yourself sure again not saying that is necessarily more secure but if you wanted if the goal was to have this be encrypted securely this has failed miserably at that goal yeah yeah
1: i was gonna say i don't know why you wouldn't just you know work it off of some function of the clock because that's what other pseudo random number generators do as far as i understand it
0: off of the 24-hour cycle
1: um, I'm not sure how exactly it works, but I read up on pseudo random number generation for mm-hmm. my honors thesis at one point. Okay, and a lot of the computational methods involve using some part of the time function, right? So you look at what time and date it is, and you take a digit from there somewhere, right? And so then the problem. Put that in, an I think in the
0: use of pseudo random numbers themselves because you don't want a pseudo random number you want a random number. But
1: well, that's great, but that's, you yeah. can't do that.
2: That's no, a you philosophical can. thing. Okay, well, so
1: you can, but then, well, the thing is, like, do you encrypt it based off something random and then reencrypt the whole hard drive every once in a while, or because you can get things that will give you a truly random number, and they're usually usually based off like thermal noise or yeah. a laser somehow. Great, like but noise. But there
2: are practical methods for like a hard drive. Yeah, and you'd, you'd
1: basically of. have that so that you could use it exactly once for the encryption key for this hard drive. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a much better method would be to, you know, query it every once in a while or have it on some cycle where it queries the random number generator, gets a random number, and then re-encrypts based on that.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I'm sure part of it, too, is that pseudo-random numbers do a good enough job that getting a truly random number wouldn't add that much more value.
1: Right. Well, it's like, yeah, you could figure out what number it's going to generate if you know exactly the time and algorithm that the program uses. Yeah, right. But, I mean, you could go for random.org and use atmospheric noise, (laughs) or you could get one of these little like USB dongles that work well for random number generation but mm-hmm. honestly it's good enough
0: yeah I i mean using a pseudo random number is a lot better than using what is seemingly just a non random number as your seed yeah
1: although fun fact uh, quick the random number generator from quick basic it's actually skewed slightly mm-hmm. so if you what is it it gives you a number between 0 and 1 and mm-hmm. if you run like you know a large number of them and get the average, it get, the average is point five one. So it's ever so slightly skewed.
2: <laughs> After how many trials, though? A lot. Okay.
1: Because I like, mean, so, done many that, so that
2: yeah, I've done that in Excel before. I did a couple hundred, and it was pretty close to to point five. Yeah. But you'd have to do like millions of
1: them no it's like it's it was predictable enough that it was an exercise in our class where okay. the teacher was demonstrating the difference between random and pseudo random numbers yeah because they he did a- he he, he oh, had us all do it for this program and said so do y'all get 0.51 yep yep mm-hmm. huh so, yeah uh. i know you did and that's a problem
2: they did a a number file video on the occurrence of certain strings of numbers in repeating decimals or something or in a series i think it was and in say like a group of 7 or 6 numbers they they tallied the distribution or the occurrence of not the digits 1 through 9 or 0 through 9 i guess mm-hmm. and after however many like instances of the series like elements in the series it looked like the distribution wasn't very predictable but after however many instances of the series one of the digits started catching up and eventually kind of completed that predicted distribution but it took quite a few trials before you actually got the expected distribution but beforehand it was weighted towards the one side so that's why I was wondering if if it was a matter of just doing enough trials before it caught up
0: it sounds reproducible enough that
2: yeah based on what yeah, yeah. What you were saying nick
1: that's really interesting i'd like to see that video
2: yeah uh, it's one of their recent ones i'll have to
1: link in the show okay. notes rob
0: well if if mike gives me
2: one yeah, yeah. i'll I'll find one what... he's our producer he
1: should be doing this
0: it
2: sounds <laughs> it
0: sounds real like it sounds like it's a, a video i watch because i watch all the number file videos but yeah, yeah I, I don't remember which one it would be okay uh nick why don't you tell us about your story this week
1: why don't I? Because yeah. I only barely understand it myself. Well, okay, that's give why us I wouldn't.
0: Some, a little bit of background.
1: Oh, you'd like me to explain it? Okay. So, quantum entanglement. Are we all familiar with quantum entangle- entanglement?
2: Yes, well, relatively, but heard of it.
1: Oh, good. So I, I won't have to explain it for our listeners because they just they they all know it at this point. <laughs> no, I forget how exactly it works, but. uh there's a function that can be performed in physics which is known as entangling two particles so i don't know they do some physics or something and if one is <laughs> if one is spin up the other will be spin down and if you alter one the other will alter as well in And it appears to demonstrate faster-than-light communication. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, if you tilt this one and then you go to check the other one, it's tilted exactly the same amount, but still pointing the opposite direction. And so that's been a problem because it appears that they're breaking the universal speed limit somehow. But... So Einstein was upset about this, as he was about most quantum mechanics, because he wanted a grand unifying theory, and it would seem that once you introduce true randomness into something, it's hard to get a grand unifying theory. Mm -hmm. So he proposed the idea that there would be some sort of hidden information in these particles. And, you know, kind of a fudge factor to say, okay, we'll just, this is how we'll explain this for now. And one day we'll find out the fudge factors. And Bell introduced the famous Bell inequality, I think it's called. And he said, well, okay, so if there is, you know, hidden information or something like that, it should account for oh, how did it work? It was like, no more than this much would be accounted for that or something like that. Okay. You guys with me? Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway. So he was saying, you know, there is a limit to this, whichever way it goes. And so a group out of... Or is it the University of Delft?
0: That sounds real, <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, so he said, or they had electrons that were separated by over a kilometer, entangled them, and then proceeded to measure the results. It says, no. over 18 days, the team measured how correlated the electron mu- measurements were. Perhaps expectedly, yet also oddly, they were far more so than chance would allow. Proving quantum mechanics is as spooky as Einstein had feared. Einstein called this spooky action at a distance. Hence mm-hmm. the spooky. Yeah. This should be our Halloween episode. It should be.
2: It is our Halloween episode. That's why I had the spider. should bring it back.
1: Is <laughs> it? This- <laughs> Would our would our Halloween episode not be November
0: first? I would think so.
2: That's too late to be Halloween. Details. Well, I don't think That's that true. <laughs> the day after Halloween is the start of Christmas season.
1: <laughs> That's definitely not true. No, it's not. We have eleven days. That's remembrance day season. And then it's Christmas Actually, season. Actually it's
2: my birthday season. November tenth.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, it's just blocking your view now. <laughs> I
1: was fine with it, but yeah. very scary.
2: So Nick, back to this quantum mechanics stuff. Yes. Because I kind of started zoning out after you talked about some other stuff.
1: Oh, did I talk about science in a science-based podcast and you got kind of bored? Is that what happened?
2: You you weren't getting to the point quickly enough.
1: To summarize, spooky action at a distance is real. We don't understand it.
2: So it's weird. So it, is everything still status quo? We're all good. No, like nothing, nothing changed. It's just well, yep, it's yeah, still Like they what weren't. We think it was. They weren't
1: totally. Or, you know, there's still some doubt as to whether or not this is actually a thing, and this confirms that it is, in fact, actually a thing. I it can't is no wait less for, a thing for your fluffy follow up article yeah. next week. <laughs>
0: So the thing that... There will be a thing about that. I, I bet there the will way. be. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, for people who are interested in this kind of stuff, because like, I'm, I'm listening to you trying to explain it and thinking about how hard a time I would have trying to explain the same phenomena. Um, there's a YouTube channel I want to recommend to people. Uh, it's called Space Time. It's by PBS Digital Studios. They go over these kind of like they talk about quantum mechanics they talk about the speed of light they talk about all kinds of really interesting uh things to do with i mean i guess quantum mechanics uh i'll put a link to the channel but they they talk a lot about all of the weirdness that is space time and how it works together uh they've done episodes about talking about how the speed or the speed of light what we call the speed of light isn't actually the speed of light it's the speed of causality and that results in light only being able to move that fast it's it it's really interesting they have all kinds like a a couple of years worth of videos and they're all really interesting if you if you're interested in hearing more about this talking from someone who actually works in the field and does a bunch of research every week uh yeah it's really good okay
2: has anyone done a crash course for quantum mechanics yet <laughs>
0: no okay there should Do be you- do you mean has crash course done a crash course right uh no they have not and it would be so hard they're saying like they've always said if you think you understand quantum mechanics you probably are you probably understand it less than most like the people who think (laughs) they understand it or convinced they understand it the most probably still don't understand it so what people who don't
2: understand it or the people who understand it the most realize they don't understand it at all exactly
0: yeah just like there's so much more that we don't know so long and short
1: go watch a video on, on on entanglement. And they thought that, you know, maybe maybe there's this other information that's contained somehow or it's just tra- or it's communicating faster than the speed of light. But yeah. either way there may be some funny business going on and this mm-hmm. confirms that yes
0: there is some funny business going on. Something outside of our understanding so far of the way physics works. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike, you want to bring us a little more down to earth and talk about Google Maps update?
2: Yes, I do. I don't know why. Actually, I did notice this before, and I don't know at what point it went away or just I hadn't noticed it before. But when you try to add multiple destinations into Google Maps on mobile, there's no way to do that. If you're planning a trip and you say, I want to go to the gas station and then I want to go to the grocery store and then go to someone's house and then back home, it doesn't let you map out that type of route. You'd have to go, you know, wherever you are to the gas station. Then once you get there, then add another destination, add in another. And it there's no way for it to optimize your route or anything like that. But now they're going to start rolling out an update to Google Maps, which will let you have multiple destinations. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but. It seems like even the web version of Google Maps seems to have gotten rid of their multiple destinations functionality. Uh, the last time I tried it, I couldn't find a way to do it.
0: They changed the interface a little bit, but the last time I tried, I was able to do it. Okay, pretty recently.
2: It, there wasn't an obvious way to have multiple destinations even in the web version, and the mobile there just had never been a way to. So yeah, Google Maps is now going to let you add multiple destinations, and is soon to be. Uh, Released update mm-hmm. and apparently it's also going to let you or it's going to show you gas prices um, along the route if you're looking to fill up and then i think we'll let you even add like change your route for a detour on the fly as well mm-hmm. which all those things i've wanted to do within the app
1: have you yeah. not had
2: the detour on on the fly functionality pop up if i start going a different way. Then it will detour me, but I can't just hit alternate route while I'm driving, and then it will take me a different way.
1: Because I've had it pop up and say, there's a slowdown ahead, tap to accept this alternate route. Yeah. Which is frustrating because I'm like, you know, I usually, before I start moving, I put my earbuds in, I attach (laughs) the charger, and I start my podcast playlist in whatever, you know, directions I want going. Mm. Yeah, And then I have to dig the phone out, which is just terrible when you're actually driving. Yeah.
2: You also shouldn't be having earbuds when you're driving. But it's a separate thing. I can hear sirens. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> fine. If it's at a reasonable volume.
0: Uh, and it is. Real-time follow-up, at least in my interface, once you enter two things you there's a button that shows up that, that to add a destination and okay. you can reorder them and everything. Oh, I
1: was going to say, I used to use it to plan um, bike rides.
2: Yeah, no, I used to use it too, but the last time it, I couldn't seem to get it to work, but maybe mm. it was just not approaching it correctly.
0: One it's, I, it only showed up once I had a starting point and a destination already mapped in. Okay. Yeah. Feel free to but, report back if that does not work.
2: But mobile app-wise, they're going to start allowing you to do the same thing. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah.
0: I hope that there's some way to do this that is very obvious. Like, the the thing, the dream that I have is, and I haven't actually tried this because I don't use Apple Maps that much, but apparently you're supposed to be able to enter a destination and then using hands-free say, hey, I want to go to a gas station, And then it'll find a gas station for you, like pick which gas station you want. It'll send you there. And then once you get there, it will automatically just sort of jump back to sending you to the main place you were going. That'd be cool too. But I haven't, I haven't tried it and Google Maps doesn't do it. So yeah, I hope it works similarly to that.
2: Yeah. I find that Google doesn't seem to pick up the subject based destinations. Like say you want to find a grocery store. Mm -hmm. If you punch in grocery store, it won't show up a lot of grocery stores that I know are grocery stores. Maybe that's a bad example because those are probably well categorized, but like say gas stations, those are one of the things that it doesn't pick up a lot of the actual gas station locations because maybe they're not categorized within their keywords as gas stations. I don't know if that's a user-based thing that you have to add in what type of place it is, but.
1: Okay, Google navigate to the nearest constabulary. What? Well, I know there is a local constabulary office right there. Why can't you find this for me?
2: <laughs> I'm not talking about obscure types of places like that, though, for people looking for a constabulary, I'm sure that would be useful as well. Oh, yes. When we I'm have those around. Like, I'm talking like gas stations. It's I, I know which one I want to go to, and it says, I say gas station, and it doesn't pick it up, but
0: hmm. I don't know. That, that might as well be a made-up word.
2: It, like, I, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm trusting Nick that it's the real thing. Constabulary? Yeah. Oh.
0: I still don't know. <laughs> is it like a brothel?
1: <laughs> Are you guys like just... Really?
0: We're so is uncultured. actually happening? Yeah.
1: So the root of constabulary is constable
0: yeah i agree
1: yeah what could that be only there was well, something that had constables that we all knew of
2: yeah is it like an aviary where the constables are in cages <laughs> and you can go look at them as you go walk through the gardens
1: dear listener <laughs> this is what i deal with on a week-to-week basis please understand. every other week
2: basis but
1: yeah. Yeah, this this and the chirping. Yes. Please forgive me if I just
0: leave. So, there don't appear to be any in Canada, so I don't know when we would have any experience <laughs> with it. It's a shame. It sounds like a police station. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> oh. Do they have constables at police stations? But so what I'm reading here is it's actually the name for a group of constables and not necessarily yes. a place yes. where they would. So really this is very confusing. It's true. It'd be great. You just navigate to all the local police officers
1: that wouldn't have nefarious implications at all. Definitely I not.
2: I thought I said constabulary
1: office at one point, didn't I? No. You'd probably find no. a
2: constabulary okay. we'll at its importance in local downtown calgary
0: <laughs> all right we'll 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 move on to the next topic here um this is a sentimental one to me when i heard about this this week uh, mythbusters is currently filming their last season this was kind of a matter of time to me when two years ago they let go, or one or two years ago they let go of carrie tory and grant um i don't know about you guys but i grew up watching and loving mythbusters and i still really do like it um but so yeah the next there the, there's still one more season that's coming out starting very soon and then they're filming the last one for next year and i'm very nostalgic when i was re- i was reading an interview with uh Jamie and Adam um apparently what they're going to do for the last season is take we have one big episode dedicated each dedicated to each of their favorite categories of myths, and the finale is just gonna be like literally going out with a bang, uh, doing like apparently just the biggest possible explosion you can imagine for <laughs> for a science show, which I'm like it just it was such a great it was kinda like um Bill Nye the science guy, but for a slightly older generation. And I definitely grew up on MythBusters. Like this is the 4 this it'll be the 14th season. And so for the last 14 years, I've just been loving what they're doing, and they they get more and more advanced. You can see them learning the scientific method as the seasons go on, and like making it just better and better yeah. to the point they even did like um, airplane boarding and deep uh, disembarking uh, systems. Like that—that's the least interesting and sexy kind of topic to do but they spent like the bulk of a 45 minute episode on it i just i'm gonna be sad to see it go
1: they also did a a like a big chunk on i think it was roundabouts versus four-way stops yeah yeah they did and Hmm. like i mean it's funny because that's as near as i can tell that's not a myth at all that's like you know yeah they've actually done significant work to show that Mm -hmm. roundabouts are more efficient than faraway stops but it's still I think I agree with XKCD's assessment of Mythbusters in which they they've done more to popularize the idea of testing hypotheses which is really the root of science Yeah, they've done more to popularize that than any other show that I know and it'll be sad to see them go yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've I remember looking up their episodes on what was that site that Mega Video I think hosted their yeah, the shows hosted on there. <laughs> and yeah, I I can't say I grew up watching it because we didn't have cable and right. I barely had a chance to look them up online, but I was definitely familiar with with what they did and I saw a good handful of their episodes and from what I can tell they did do a lot to further science awareness even if they were at times criticized half tongue-in-cheek but half serious about their application of the scientific method and oh no people actually hated them no i know but i think people those are people that took it too seriously what they're trying to do they weren't trying to carry out scientific studies they're trying to fit you know 40 minutes of science and get a point across and show a bit of the scientific method Mm -hmm. so yeah I think for, for the purpose of what they're trying to do, which is f- first and foremost, entertainment, and then secondly, like, you know, further science awareness and show what you can do with science and how cool it is, I think they did a good job with that. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Th- I think that the, the best part about the show for me isn't even the fact that they were doing, they were looking at these myths and t- talking about scientific things, talking about the scientific method. They explained it in a lot of detail, on, like over the course of the years but it's the fact that a the scientific method doesn't work where you do an experiment and it's perfect and then you never look at it again that's not science the scientific method is testing a hypothesis coming to a conclusion and then other people or you again are welcome to revisit that experiment confirm it or uh, reject it and what so they ended up coming back and revisiting a number of myths and in some cases, they, people pointed out that the show had missed something, and so they they looked at that specific aspect, and they changed their mind on a number of things, and they, they reconfirmed a number of things. I think that's the whole point of science. I think Mythbusters, the hosts and the show producers, all of them, would have loved it if fans, and I'm sure they did, make videos saying like, oh, you know, you said this was busted, but I was able to do it. Like, that's what science is. So people, anyone who hated the show because it didn't show the scientific method, like, you can't show the scientific method on TV other than in the way they did it, where they revisited myths every once in a while and, and tested different things.
2: Yeah. And I think they even addressed that on various occasions where, A, they'd say, you know, we don't show everything yeah. we're doing. That's one part. Mm-hmm. And the other part is just science is boring. Like <laughs> yeah. real research, like you guys have both done real research and a lot of it is boring. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it doesn't make for a good TV. So. You wouldn't want a show where it just showed what scientific research is. That that's not the point of the show. Yeah,
1: they've. I was gonna say they've said on several occasions, like, listen, we do a lot more than you see on the show, but scientific rig- rigor makes for terrible television. Yeah, <laughs> and can confirm. Yeah, <laughs> it would be the most boring yeah. show ever. I would watch it, but it would be boring. I was say, that's why CSI
0: is you know, so popular, yeah. because it is yeah. so inaccurate. Well, another thing for me that it showed is not only th- how the scientific method can be applied, but it showed the fact that neither of those guys were scientists. Like, they had Grant, who built a lot of robots and that kind of thing, but they weren't sort of academic scientist but you can still do science even not having a scientific background as long as you kind of go all in and actually commit to testing things and not have any preconceived notions of what's going to happen or if if you do be willing to accept that that might be wrong i think that's kind of again the most one of the important parts of science is being willing to be wrong and understanding that you don't have to be a scientist in order to do science and be excited by science
2: well if do you guys hear scientists... the
1: constabulary outside my window or is that just <laughs> is that coming in through the mic yeah it is yes oh good good they're gonna <laughs> uh, bust me I, on a I proper that, use of I, constabulary
2: <laughs> i thought a handful of the mythbusters did at least have the science degrees no uh, who what do you mean a handful the the hosts well at least one of them
0: i think grant had he had a science degree he was working on like he he's an engineer right yeah
1: Uh, I was going to say, he had a few things, especially early on in the show, where he was running a calculation or something like that, and Mm -hmm. he ended up saying, you know, well, we're working with pressures, and so atmospheric pressure, that's just zero. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. I was like, is it? (laughs) 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 But he's had a few where it's like, not sure how much actual science he's up on
2: yeah right but but oh yeah i think we've i'm sure they had
0: producers that consulted with them on on the science of the show but yeah
2: yeah Well, i think some things they probably just let go because it didn't really it wasn't consequential to what they were trying to say exactly
0: okay uh so i'm I'm gonna be very sad to see mythbusters go but i'll obviously watch the rest of the, the episodes with vim and vigor please do yes the the next story i have here i just wanted to mention this because i thought it was really weird we've talked a lot about carbon nanotubes in the past uh and so researchers have been looking in children's lungs for nanotubes Um, specifically they were looking at uh, asthmatic children and every child who had asthma that they looked at ended up having carbon nanotubes in their lungs and so I'm, i'm not sure if that means that doesn't obviously doesn't mean that carbon nanotubes in your lungs causes um causes asthma but it's it's very interesting given that uh you know nanotubes are a pretty new technology and it's weird to me that it would be in any lungs like i'm assuming that given Kind of the particulates that we have in the air that most people would have nanotubes in their lungs. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that they actually have started looking for that kind of thing and and how easily they're able to find it.
2: Yeah, it almost makes it sound like they're implying or inferring that asthma is environmentally caused versus just, I don't know what the current hypotheses or theories say, if it's genetic or develops you know in early stages of growth of the lungs or whatever but this almost sounds like there's they get the carbon nanotubes and that causes the asthmatic symptoms but i don't see why you'd get carbon nanotubes by being in any specific place right you know based you know not knowing for myself not knowing where they'd be most likely to be found but any place for- you have
1: broken carbon fiber, yeah,
2: like just any carbon fiber or any specific fiber.
1: Carbon fiber is carbon nanotubes.
2: So, like hockey sticks.
1: That's one example. Yes, but like if it if a hockey stick breaks, it becomes airborne. You'll get air, not aerosolized, but you know, yeah, it's kind of like asbestos mean. where. You know if it's in the wall it's fine just don't take a hammer to the wall right right Hmm. yeah
2: yeah well nick you have asthma right i do so how do you feel about this
1: what i thought was really interesting is completely unrelated because you were saying you don't know if it's environmental or genetic and i was like well my sister and I both have asthma. My sister has a mild, uh, milder case. She has sports asthma. But I was like, you know, and our dad has asthma, so it would indicate a genetic component. But then I went, but dad also grew up in Picton, which is just like half an hour south of Belleville where Hillary and I grew up. So, Great. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Small um, sample size as well, but. Well, I mean, I, don't know, I can tell you that air quality has a big effect on things. My first summer in Calgary was much better than my second summer in Calgary. Just, what well, with the smoke, and I, I think there were other things too, but like, this last summer was bad. My first summer, I could just forget to use my inhaler, and it wasn't really a problem. Right. So what I think I need to do is move to the mountains.
0: <laughs> Definitely.
1: Even though it'll be all wet and humid and I'll hate it. But mm. That or Arizona and I want to stay in Canada. So, you know, here we are. <laughs> it actually reminds me of asbestosis a lot. I wonder if you get the scarring that you do with, uh, I think it's
0: asbestosis is the name. Yeah, they were they were mentioning a bit about that in the article, the comparing the effects of asbestos to the possible effects of, of nanotubes and that kind of structure. Uh so yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see. Because they they weren't necessarily looking for nanotubes when they did this, but they found them in the fluid in children's lungs.
1: Yeah. Also, have we talked about copper nanotubes on this show yet? No. Oh, okay. Mike, but there's you want to? There's a paper to be seen. So in in journals and stuff like that, the standard nomenclature, the abbreviation for carbon nanotubes is CNTs. Mm-hmm. And someone developed <laughs> copper nanotubes. Yeah. Oh, Nick. Yeah, and so <laughs> they they wrote the paper about it, and then used the chemical symbol for. Copper and
2: mm-hmm. followed it
1: with NT. Mm-hmm. And the reviewers went, You can't do that. You you <laughs> can't do that. And the scientist said, Why not? That's the standard nomenclature we've been using. These are copper nanotubes. Why can't I put that? And they went, Okay. And now that that paper has a bunch of fans on
0: Facebook. <laughs> of course it does uh yeah i thought you were gonna go with science here but that's that's an even better angle to take on that it was science yeah very
1: serious science which is ironic given what happened
0: (laughs) all right uh we'll we'll take it home with one more story mike you wanted to talk about uh, delivery
2: yes we've talked about delivery a lot on this show i don't know why and it's been in both positive and negative light.
0: Um, can, I, can I interject quickly with a story? Yes. About delivery being the worst? Sure. Um, I'm I'm getting a package, or I was supposed to be getting a package on Friday. Actually, I was supposed to be getting it on Thursday, but then uh, I had sent it to a flex delivery address, and so they couldn't deliver to post PO boxes, and so it got rerouted. Sent to my home address. Uh, the typical story, they left a delivery notice, even though I was home the entire day. They left a delivery notice on the door saying we were here, and... Is this Canada
2: uh, Post or UPS? This
0: was Canpar shipping. Really, they're a courier. Uh, but anyways, so I got uh, I got the notice, and it said you can pick this you can pick up the package at the, on the next business day after twelve p.m. This is Friday, so the next business day is Monday. Um, and so I called immediately and I was like, oh hey, is there any way that I can pick this up earlier? And they said, Oh yeah, well, you can pick it up uh or they called back an hour later or something. Said you can pick it up between 5 30 and 6 PM, which is was four or five hours after. Uh just go to our shipping place, which is like a half hour drive away, or you can wait three more days and pick it up at this uh this courier drop-off place, which is at a convenience store about a 15 or 20 minute walk away. And so like shipping's broken. You can't, you can't deliver to residential addresses during the day and expect anything to go properly. So, uh, Mike, what do you have here to, to alleviate, to possibly alleviate that?
2: This probably won't alleviate anything. This is, Uh-oh. this, this changes more the issue of, uh, delivery destinations more in a business sense of if I want to ship something to someone, I have to know what their preferred delivery address is. I have to actually get the address and have all that info. Whereas this service called Ship, spelled with a Y, is trying to change the way you ship things based on if I want to send something to Rob, I can go on their service, their website, type in Rob's name, and it will pop up as a potential destination. And I can just select him. I don't see any of his information. I just say, I want to ship it to him. And this service takes care of any of the labeling, the boxing. I just drop off what I wanted the item. I think they pick up as well. Mm -hmm. The item unpackage, everything they do all their own boxing labeling and everything. And then they ship it through, you know, USPS. Uh, This is US only right now, but they ship it through just USPS or whatever courier service. And it gets to where it needs to go without me having to know any of Rob's information. And that's kind of more the situation you have in a business uh, context where, you know, you're trying to carry your things back and forth between businesses or customers or whatever, but you might not always a be able to get the shipping info or they, someone might not want to give you the shipping info for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And this allows you to kind of bypass that. And this place acts as a middleman so that, I, as a user, signs up on there, put in my preferred delivery, you know, work address, home address, whatever. And if someone wants to ship me something, they just have to go onto this service and add my name. They don't have to add anything else. And I like the idea that this service takes care of the actual packaging of it and the shipping. So it's very kind of one step and you're done. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And the other part is, if I want to ship something to Rob and Rob's not on ship, I can type in his email and it sends him a, a, a request to join ship so that something can be shipped to him. So it's, they, they describe it as a built in virality because people tend to join things that other friends or acquaintances or whatever are using as well. Yeah. So if it says Rob Batchel wants to ship you something, sign up for the service assuming i trust what rob's going to send me you're probably not going to want to accept that invitation from anyone because you know you don't want to just get random packages all the time Do you wouldn't right. want to accept it from rob really <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm under i'm going under that pretense but that's not necessarily i might send you a computer of, or something you might so i don't know i've i hadn't seen this approach before i honestly didn't realize it was a problem to solve but i can see use for it yeah like it's not a it's not a shipping service it's not logistics it's just the packaging and the shipping part like giving it to another service to actually do the delivery yeah and i'd have to see it in practice it's only operating i think in like la san francisco maybe new york kind of the big business places within within the u.s and i think their intent is it to be Almost like a courier type service, yeah, whereas versus kind of like a cross country delivery, but I think the concept is good, and I like the idea that you can just sign up and if you're consistently or constantly shipping things back and forth between two people or a handful of people, you can just go on there and punch in their name versus having to to know their delivery info, right cool yeah
0: Yeah. i'm i'm intrigued to see how people like it but for now i i still think flex delivery or something like that is a better option but uh it's still the fact that it's a virtual p.o box makes me annoyed yeah still
2: but see flex delivery you can still work with this because you can just add your flex delivery address as your preferred delivery address so yeah you can do both right it's true yeah speaking of delivery I'm on the free Amazon prime trial. Amazon prime is glorious. (laughs) (laughs) I love two day shipping. It's, I don't know why I never used it before.
0: Cause it's, it's money.
2: It is, but it's free right now. So
0: that's true. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the show this week. Uh, thanks to you guys for being here as usual. Thanks to everyone uh, listening out there who's tuning in. Um, once again, I'd like to thank Audible.com for helping to support the show. Uh, if you want to help uh, us and get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial to try out Audible's audiobook service, you can go to audibletrial.com slash unwind and uh, find all kinds of interesting science books and uh, or any book you want to listen to, really. Uh, I'll let you know we'll be back, back next week with more Science and Tech Talk you can find past episodes of the show and more at unwindmedia.com slash feature chat see you next time bye ciao any after show stuff or do you guys have to go
2: i'm okay to do an after show one
1: i noticed that you uh you didn't include fluff pieces in your outro should be i did not Join us for the latest science, tech, and fluff talk. <laughs> science and tech talk with extra fluff pieces. Which,
0: which are you calling fluff?
1: Oh, half of your stories. It's terrible.
0: Okay. <laughs> we only want to wi- wishwash about quantum mechanics. Where's, where's the hard science, Rob?
1: <laughs> what happened to you, man? You used to do a whole show on just science, man. There,
0: there was a bunch of science. Future like side science, chat, man. Where to <laughs> did go, did man. you guys want
2: to talk about anything in the after show here?
0: I, uh, not, not specifically. No, I, I thought it was good. I just, you guys seemed okay uh, on board to do it.
2: Did Did you guys, uh, watch the Star Wars trailer?
0: No. I watched it once. No.
2: I I was saying to my, some guys was talking to you the other day that I wish I was excited for Star Wars. I can appreciate people who are, and -hmm. I feel like I should be excited for Star Wars and into it, but I don't know. I'm just not.
0: I'm excited to watch the movie, but I I can't get pre-excited for it. No.
2: Well, people watch, there were a couple people on my Facebook stream that were like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm crying right now. And it's like, (laughs) well, it's it's a trailer. Like it's Star Wars. There's stuff flying and shooting and yeah stormtroopers like i don't know i don't know what are you crying about people are happy that's okay let them be happy no i i i I, i'm glad people are happy i don't understand it though
0: i was talking to uh
1: more bold stances
0: on unwind media i'm glad people are happy (laughs) when uh when it first came out i was talking to someone who was comparing it to the like marvel trailers that they always do the teaser trailer and then the longer trailer and then the full trailer and he was like no i think this this trailer was much more exciting than the the avengers age of ultron trailer was and uh and i was like you know i i i disagree maybe it's just cuz i like uh avengers and marvel more than i like star wars and then a few minutes later unsolicited completely unsolicited he's like you know what that avengers trailer was pretty good i i, I take it back that was, it was good too
2: you can tell he was probably thinking about it for yeah. that time in between it's like wow you were actually like serious about this yeah. whole whole thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
0: uh, all right well in oh, that case i'll uh wait
1: no no i've got some completely off topic just complete chatter if you want to have that too why not yeah, so in the wake of our last episode of East Meets West, Rob looked at me and said, Nick, I think I see more politics in your future and not just as a volunteer. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it seems like a fair statement. And then another person, I won't name him because, you know, there's no permission given. and But you named me. <laughs> yeah, well, you're here. Deal with it. Um, he we were talking the other day and he's like just by the way while i've got you here just on a serious note i think you should really consider pursuing more political action like coming into or going into the future because i mean you clearly like it you've been really interested in in it for a long time and you've done a lot of reading on it and i don't expect any of that's going to stop so just just seriously consider that going forward it's like yep yeah, okay and so yeah that's that's a couple people this mm-hmm. week that have just been like, by the way, Nick, have you thought about doing more of this?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Would it be we, easier for you to get involved on the municipal level first?
1: Maybe, I guess.
2: We should look into that.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Nancy seems like a nice guy.
2: <laughs> and yeah.
1: periodic, Periodically, there will be an article that comes out about Nancy saying, could Nancy run as a liberal?
2: Dun, dun, dun. I think he'd be better well-received or well-received as a liberal than a ndp
1: Honestly, I I don't... Every time someone asks him about it, he's like, why would I ever want to stop being mayor of Calgary? I was just ranked the best mayor in the world. I think I'm doing a pretty good job here.
3: Yeah. It's
2: fair.
1: It's like fair. The Grits have been really good at recruiting star candidates, but...
2: Then she would win his riding or his constituency. Which one's the provincial one? Constituency. I
1: I, I don't, don't actually know. They're in Ontario. They're all ridings.
2: Okay. He'd win his provincial riding. I
1: was gonna say, but a riding is a constituency, really and truly.
2: Right. I just hmm. know that there's two different terms. But he'd win his provincial riding if he ran as a Liberal. Probably as if, if he ran as anything. I think.
1: Oh God, like. Nancy could run for the Communist Party of Canada, and I'm, sh- <laughs> and I'm sure he'd sweep.
2: Well, <laughs> uh, that might be a stretch.
1: <laughs> that might, yeah, okay, that might be a stretch. He could run for the Green Party, and I'm sure he'd sweep.
2: Actually, he could run for, as for the Alberta Party,
1: which are basically disenchanted Liberals, as I understand it. <laughs> 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 hmm. Their their pro their platforms are pretty similar. I remember right. I did my vote compass before the Alberta election because I got here and I was like, I don't actually know anything. I actually need the vote compass right now. And it was like, oh, you're really close to the Alberta party. I was like, oh, too bad. I don't know who the hell they are, so I'm not <laughs> voting for them. But
2: They probably didn't have anyone in your riding, though. Um, I'm they not didn't sure have too if they many. did
1: or not. Yeah. But uh, the, NDT, the NDP swept anyway, so <laughs> there's that.
2: Going on the uh, MMP version of voting, do you vote for a party or do you still vote for candidates within your riding? So if they don't have a candidate there, you can't vote for them.
1: Um, Based purely on our conversation the past week or so, it's unclear as to whether you would cast one vote for your local representative and thus their party, or a vote for your representative and a vote for party. Okay. And so I there should be some think sort of might be two votes now that I think about it. Matt, if you're listening, I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> There'd probably have to be some sort of guideline for getting on a ballot then still, because right now it's you have to have the candidate in that riding and then however many signatures to get on the ballot or I just can't remember exactly.
1: Yeah, you have place, to pay like a thousand bucks, fill out a bunch of forms. Yeah. A thousand dollars for which you are not being reimbursed by any other party. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand bucks, a bunch of paperwork, and I forget how many signatures it is. It's like, because it's, Which is sad because that was a large chunk of my job for a couple of weeks. You, you, do you live here? can you vote sign this paper because i'm sure they vet all those signatures Uh, apparently you'd be surprised Hmm. we well we actually overshot just a little bit to be like you know in case some of these don't pan out (laughs)
2: like you don't actually live in the riding there are a lot
1: of people who are very well-meaning but don't realize that they're not actually electors in the riding they're just like, oh, sure, I'd love to sign this paper for you. Yeah. And, you know, if it ever came down to any scrutiny. Right. Through no fault of the person taking the signatures. Right. It wouldn't hold up. Such is life. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's my completely off-topic banter. Does anyone else so does have our- some completely off-topic banter? We need Not teaser for East
2: Meets West right there
1: we're doing our next episode topless Mm, we are
2: i was i saw that that was one of the topics of this last one i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet so
0: pretty good it gets very off topic from its off (laughs) topicness
1: yeah it's like well now that we've done an entire show based on this one topic do you want to talk about toplessness sure i do (laughs) (laughs) and then like we get so far off that off topic. Like. Yeah. It's interesting. It was enjoyable though. Go have a listen. I will. All right. I'm ending this. Tyrannical dictator Rob. Boop.